Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Bibles, now's the time to take them out. However, you get your Bible, whether it's in book form or app form, electronic form, but open them up to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. And uh, we're going to read that in just a moment, but I want to say, first of all, thank you all so much for your prayers. Thank you for the notes, the words of encouragement and condolences that you've been sending in cards, the gift cards, all of those things. That has been so wonderful to our family as we've been traveling. We had two funerals in in a couple of weeks, and actually in one week. And so thank you so much for your prayers. I also want to thank Pastor Ray for stepping in at a moment's notice. He found out Saturday morning that he was going to preach Sunday, and he did an excellent job. And so thank can we thank Pastor Ray for stepping in and doing that? That just allowed me to be with my family and to honor Mama, Lori's grandma, and to officiate at her funeral. And so thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Ray. I also want to just really quick make a great announcement for you. I want to let you guys know about something exciting that's happening. Uh, for the last six years, Deidre Marks has been serving as our office administrator part-time. She's been here Monday through Wednesday. I'm going to ask Deidre to come on up because we have been so excited, and she and I, we've been talking about this and dreaming and hoping that that someday this could happen. She has such amazing gifts in administration, yes, but Deidre Marks is a connector of people. And we have been so blessed in the last six years to have her here, even in a part-time capacity. She also worked for our district, so she had to drive to Grand Ledge on Thursdays and sometimes on Fridays and so many other responsibilities. And we are excited to let you know that your church board voted to bring Deidre on full-time. It's good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and to create not just our office manager, but to really tailor this job to fit her gifting and what we've seen in her over these last six years together. And so Deidre Mark, starting June 11th, will be here full time as our director of administration and connection ministries. And so this is so exciting. I, I just believe this is going to, God is going to use Deidre to move this church into the next phase of what he is calling us to. And so I'm so grateful that you said yes. I'm grateful that uh, our church board voted this. And I think this is going to be a phenomenal step forward for Cross Community Church. So can we say thank you to Deidre one more time? Oh, so fun. So fun. Well, our series is called Therefore. 
And uh, throughout this series, I'm kind of piggybacking on one of my professor's statements. I don't know if he came up with this or if he just passed it along. But the statement from Dr. H. Ray Dunning is, Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you should find out what the therefore is there for. The problem with today's passage is that we're 12 chapters into Romans. And so we're going to take a really quick flyover at 10,000 feet of the book of Romans so that we can figure out what the therefore is there for. And so just hang with me for just a little bit before we read our scripture, because I think this is so important. And I'm telling you, the book of Romans, phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, you should pick a translation and read that letter. It is phenomenal theology and discourse as Paul writes to a church that he had never been to, but he just had a burden for what they were going through. So let's find out what's going on in Romans. The church in Rome, nobody really knows who exactly founded it, but it had been going on for a while. When we get to Acts chapter 18, we see that there was a church that was already there. And this church was made up of both Jewish and non-Jewish Christians. Now, non-Jewish uh, people were are often referred to as Gentiles by Jewish people, but for our sake, I'm going to say Jew and non-Jew. Okay, and uh, and both were Christians. Both believed that Jesus was who he said he was. That he died, he was resurrected, and all of life changed. And so that meant that Jews and non-Jews who wouldn't normally get together could now worship together and worship this one who had come, this Jesus. But then something happened. Emperor Claudius expelled all Jews from the city of Rome in 41 AD. He said they cannot be, and he did not make a distinction between Jewish Christians and regular uh, religious Jews. All of them were gone. So all of a sudden, this church who had heard about Jesus as the Messiah from Jewish believers now were on their own as non-Jews. And the Jews were gone. For five or six, some scholars will say as many as seven or eight years. And then that edict was lifted. And those Jews, Jewish Christians were able to come. I can just wonder, being a pastor myself, they're, they're gone. And what are we going to come back to? Did the church even make it? Did it survive? And when they come back, the church looked very, very different. And so there began to be this tension between how Jewish do we have to be in order to be Christians. And so the Jews came back in and there was already a struggle going on between leadership. You know, well, we've been here for the last five to eight years and you guys have been gone and we've we've done this. And now you're coming back in. You just want to assume leadership again. Well, the Jewish people, you should probably eat kosher again. Well, we haven't been doing that. We have freedom in Christ. What about the Sabbath? You got here. You guys are worshiping on Sunday and we should be worshiping on Saturday. And uh, just tensions were happening. And these Jewish Christians, when they came back and things were different, there began to be tensions. I know this is hard for you to believe that there would be tension in a church. But there was tension between Jewish and non-Jewish Christians. And it was causing disunity among that church. And it was beginning to harm. And as Paul heard about this, he said, I have to write to this church. And so he writes. 
And what he begins to do, again, remember, we're zipping through Romans here really quick. Paul writes a letter to the Roman church, and he proclaims the gospel to them. And even though they haven't heard from, know who Paul is, he didn't found this church, he wanted them to hear. So he reminds them of some things. First thing he does is he reminds them that both groups, Jew and non-Jew, he reminds them of their sin. But none of us came to Jesus with everything all figured out. With all our T's crossed and I's dotted, none of us came to Jesus perfect. In fact, he writes these very familiar verses. This, he says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 22 and 23. So you guys are wanting to make it all about who's right or who's wrong. And I just need to remind you gently that at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And we all come there as sinners. Whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, you are equal right here. If there's one thing you have in common, it's that you're both sinners. So let's just start there. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He not only reminds both groups of their sin, but he reminds both groups of God's mercy to both groups in Jesus Christ. In fact, the very next verse, he goes on and says, Well, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. He says, not only are you equal in what you have done and what you bring to the cross of Jesus Christ, but you are also equal in that God has been merciful to both groups and has saved you both. That should make you excited. And a lot of the rest of the letter is figuring out and and Paul pointing out to both Jew and Gentile how it was God's plan all along to redeem both Israel and non-Israelite people. And bring them into his kingdom so that he might show his mercy out into the world. Paul then reminds both groups that they can't live this new life in their own power. We need to hear that. The life that we're called into, this new life that Jesus gives us, we cannot live into it fully in our own power. He writes in chapter 7, he's, he's making it personal for himself, but he's really talking about what it's like to try and live the Jesus life in my own human power, in my own human strength. He says, so then I myself, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. I know what it is and I, I know I should do it. But in my flesh, in my human power, I am a slave to the law of sin. I just can't do it. But he doesn't stop there. He says they both need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to live this life together. And he wants them to know that God's mercy is shown through giving the Spirit's power to both groups. Jew or non-Jew, because of what Jesus has done, you now have access to the power to live the life that Jesus has called you to. And you are equal again. Because God has been merciful. He says, through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you all free from the law of sin and death. That's good news. We should hear it as such. 
So both groups now have the Spirit's strength to embody God's mercy to the world. All right. And they should begin by showing this mercy to one another. As they're trying to bring these two groups together, we have to remember God's mercy with our sin, God's mercy in His saving, and God's mercy in sending the Holy Spirit to us. That's good, good news. And it's with all of that mercy in mind, all of it that is there, that Paul finally gets to his therefore in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. So let's read this now, and then we'll jump into it. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to to each of us. If your gift is prophesying or preaching, then preach in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. I think a church, if you're reading along, I want you to highlight the word what. Okay? Hate what is evil. It does not say hate who is evil. Okay? We don't get to determine that. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of God for the people of God, both here and online, and our response is... Thanks be to God. So what is the therefore, therefore? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at and let's jump into it. Since God was merciful to both groups' sin, and since God was merciful to both groups in salvation, and since God was merciful to both groups by sending the Holy Spirit to enable them to live what He was calling them to, therefore, Paul urges both groups. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment and teach us one Greek word for today. Are you ready for this? It is the word that we translate as, I urge. It comes from the word urge that me, that is said parakaleo. You want to say that with me, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. 
parakaleo. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Parakaleo. And one more time because it's Mother's Day. Ready? One, two, three. Parakaleo. Now, parakaleo is a combination word. It is two words that have been merged into one. And para is, is the word that means from close beside. And kaleo means to call. To call. So literally it means properly to make a call from being close up and personal together. Here's how you might envision para kaleo. Parents, moms, if you're a mom to more than one kid or you help your kid and you're a mom to some of the neighborhood kids as well. Have you ever, you've pro, well, you've probably never experienced your kids not getting along, right? So like Paul, sometimes here's the best vision of parakaleo. It's a huddle. You got one faction on this side and one faction on this side and you're coming alongside them and you're urging them to get back together, to play nice, to be in here. You're being merciful in the middle. This is a good vision of what Paul is doing when he says, I urge you, I'm coming alongside you and I'm calling out something for you that I want you to hear. And I want you to hear it with my arm around you. I want to be able to whisper it into your ear. What is that thing that he wants to whisper into their ear? That God is merciful. Therefore, we must be merciful. And so today we're going to look at seven signs of a merciful church. What that looks like to live in God's mercy. That he wants us to understand that we are called. He is calling us. He's urging us in view of God's what? Mercy. And there are going to be some things that he shows us. And today I want to use as often as I can the the good examples of moms to show what this understanding of a merciful church looks like and so let's dive in here as we go number one merciful churches are embodied in people what do i mean by that that merciful churches are embodied by or in people verse one tells us therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. What he is saying here, in essence, is that Christianity isn't just a head religion. We don't just sit around thinking good thoughts about God or about Jesus, and we don't just memorize creeds. It's not just about your head. It includes your head, but it's not just about your head. Christianity isn't just a heart religion. We don't follow Jesus just because he made me feel good about myself or about others or about the world. It includes my heart, but it's not just about my heart. Christianity isn't just a hands religion. It's not just about going out and being nice and serving people just because, you know, we want to do that or because we think that's what it is. It's not a head head religion, a heart religion, or a hands religion. Christianity is a whole body, whole self religion. That Jesus died and was raised so that all of us could live in the new life he calls us to and empowers us to live. 
The whole, he wants the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Your whole body. Your whole person. Your whole self. And Paul says, I'm coming alongside you. I'm huddling up. I'm grabbing both groups and say, remember how God was so merciful to both of you. I want you to know now that I need your whole body to be given to one another and to the world. This is what we are called to. And I want you to remember that that whole body is controlled by agape, which is what kind of love? Self-sacrificing love. That's what we are called to as the church. Jesus embodied God's mercy and gave himself on a cross. Now we are called to embody God's mercy and you have everything you need in order to do that. And it needs to be in you, in people. It's not often something that we just think about or something that we feel or something that we do. It is in you. It is in me. It is in us together. That this mercy of God is embodied for the world. Merciful churches are embodied in people. And that's good news. So we do this by being in Christ. Being set apart to show mercy is true worship. That's good. Number two. Merciful churches operate by a new pattern. So he goes on in verse 2 and he says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word for conformed we're not going to learn today, but some translations will say, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. What is that mold? That mold is often a mold of competition. That I have to grab all I can because there's not enough in this world. And so if you take it, I won't have it. And so we compete for resources and we just keep competing. And we're seeing that we've been, you've been away for five to eight years, Jewish Christians. And now you're coming back and you're trying to take what was mine and what we've developed and what we've done here. And how dare you? Paul is saying, no, remember, I'm going to huddle up with you. God has been merciful to both of you in your sin and your saving and in in sending the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember, you're called to embody the mercy of God together. Let's start right here in this house. So don't be squeezed into the mold of the competitive mindset, but be transformed into a merciful mindset. And that word for transforming is where we get our word metamorphosis. It is something that is going to take place over time as you have more and more opportunity to show mercy to one another, to present your bodies as living sacrifices for others. It's interesting. Moms-to-be. Their bodies don't compete with their babies. I don't know how it works. I tried to read the science, and I don't understand it. But somehow... When a mom or a (laughs) pre-mom eats a hamburger, some of that nutrition goes to the mom's body and some of that nutrition goes to the baby's body. It is a mercy that is embodied in a pregnant woman where as she eats, she's not competing with the baby. She is Merciful, something happens where both of them receive what they need in the eating. 
I think that's what Paul is saying to this little church. It's no more about competing. You have all the mercy you need. You have been given everything, and there's enough for everybody. Stop fighting. Like a mom, just enjoy the mercy and the grace and the love and realize there's enough for everyone, Jew or non-Jew, insider or outsider. There is enough for you. Number three, merciful churches give up their pride. Ooh, this one can be tough. But Paul writes to this church with his arms around him, For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, this this is a passage all of us should memorize. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, this is not about you needing to say, well, I'm just no good and I'm nobody and I'm terrible and and all those kinds of things. No, that's not what it's about. Paul is saying to us and to this church back then, remember, I've got my arms around you. God has been so merciful. He's given you everything you need. There is no limit to his grace, his mercy, his love. And he is calling you and has empowered you to live out this mercy in your neighborhood and to those people. And so just remember where you come from. And remember where God has brought you. And as you do that, you will begin to see yourself in the light of God's mercy. You know, folks, I've been your pastor for 14 and a half years. But I want you to know, I didn't come to Jesus with everything figured out. I'm Jeff. I am a sinner saved by grace and grace alone. I am here because of the mercy of God and no other reason. And so are you. And there's enough grace and mercy for all of us. Even if you're watching online, you have no idea what this Jesus thing is about. There is enough for you as well. And he is still calling you. But church, merciful churches give up their pride. We realize where we've come from. And we realize who brought us out and who is bringing us forward. And we seek to embody that out into our world. That is good stuff. Moms so often give up their pride. From the mom who's in the grocery store and she just has to be there and she has to get the at least the essentials and the kid is in the buggy and just screaming his lungs out or her lungs out and she's seeing all the other people in the store give her that look like shut that kid up. But she just lets go of her pride because she's got to be there. She's walking through the department store, through the church, and she smells something from the baby. Oh, man. And she goes, and she finds the changing station, and she does that thing. That is merciful, looking to the needs of her child. Moms so often give up their pride. And I have found this to be true, both as a parent, and I'm sure moms in the congregation will agree, that the longer you are a mom or a parent, the wiser your parents appear. And the mercy you have for someone else increases. Because you have been the mom with the screaming child in the store. When you hear the screaming child in the store, you no longer give the scowl. Your heart hurts. 
Some of you, I know, probably even go up and try and help the mom. Hey, entertain the baby. Get him to stop for just a second. I remember Lori talking about this, you know, being in the store after uh, when, when Jackson was still little and she'd see a mom with a, with a screaming baby. And she's like, my heart hurts too. It's like it's my baby. That is what merciful churches do. They give up their pride and they move towards the other. Merciful churches surrender their preference. This one is tough for us, folks, especially in a world uh, where we live day in and day out, where my entire world is pretty much lined up with what I prefer. But Paul says, if we're going to be a merciful church, church in Rome and church in Portage, be devoted to one another in agape, in self-sacrificial love. Honor one another above yourselves. Moms often surrender their preferences, don't they? They take the smaller piece of food, except for today. Everyone, kids, dads, whoever, mom gets the big steak, right? She gets the whole dessert, the last piece of pie that's that's left over. No, that goes to mom today. But moms often give up their preferences, They would prefer, as a pregnant, soon-to-be mother, to to not puke. Lori said I had to bring that up. (laughs) That would be their preference. But they give that up in order to make sure the baby's okay. They would prefer not to have to run to the restroom as baby is dancing on the bladder. But they do that. They give up. In many ways. And Paul says if you're going to be a merciful church, church in Rome, church in Portage, you are called to give up your preference. Because you realize how God has been so merciful to you and what God has called you to and empowered you to live. Number five, we've got to go through these. Merciful churches pray towards a hopeful future. In verse 12, Paul writes, then be joyful in hope and faithful in prayer. I don't know that I have ever met a mom who wasn't hopeful for their kid's future. That even when the kid was lost and running the opposite direction and didn't seem to have things, that moms are just somehow able to hold on to that hope. That something else is coming. And I just want to say I am so grateful today for my mom. Who when I was off and running in opposite directions and giving her lots of gray hairs and all of those kinds of things. She was faithful in prayer and she prayed with hope that the God who had been merciful to her would chase after me and wrap his arms around me and save me. And move me in the direction that she knew was hopeful for us. We can learn a lot from moms when it comes to being a merciful church that prays towards hope. Number six, merciful churches endure pain. We don't like to hear this one, but this is true. If we're going to be a merciful church, if we're going, to, we're going to be that embodiment of mercy, it means that, folks, we are called to endure some pain. Paul writes in that verse 12 again, he's saying, be, be joyful in hope and be faithful in prayer, but be patient in affliction. 
that you're going to go through something. That if someone new comes in the door and things begin to change like it did in that Roman church, there's going to be some painful growing pains and we're going to have to endure that together. I remember watching Lori when she was pregnant with Jackson. And Jackson used to like to lay this way and put legs under this rib and arms under this rib and stretch like that. And you just hear, oh, ah. And she just lovingly kind of pat him, pat the bump that was there as she endured pain. And then to bring him into this world, I remember just being in awe of watching her endure the pain of labor for this little kid that she hadn't even met yet. But she created space. She presented her body as a living sacrifice to bring life, Jackson's life, into the world. That's incredible. That's what merciful churches do. And lastly, merciful churches create a place for others. Merciful churches create a place for others, folks. They share with the Lord's people who are in need. This is what Paul writes. He tells them, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. This is so important. Moms do this from the very beginning. When they become pregnant, they, whether they like it or not, they create space within their very body. And as they get near to the delivery, how many of you moms then began to nest? You just realize we've got to create space in the home. Things have got to change. Things have got to move here and there. We, we had a two-bedroom apartment. That second bedroom was no longer for visiting guests. It was for our permanent person, Jackson. That when our tiny bedroom in Belfast, you could barely walk around the bed, somehow there was space for a bassinet that just made its way in there. And just like moms do that within themselves and within where they live, church, we are called. We are called as a merciful church to create space for others. Now as we close, I want to remind you, if you, or maybe you've never heard this, the church was often in the past, in ancient history, referred to or symbolized as a mother. Did you know that? I think that is so significant. And why was she symbolized as a mother? Because of her merciful people who just embodied God's mercy out into the world. She was called a mother because she gave up her pride and went to the lowliest people in order to help them understand the mercy of God. She was considered a mother because she surrendered her preferences and let anyone who God put in their path be a part of who they were. She was considered a mom because she always prayed with hope, no matter how desperate the circumstances got. She prayed with hope and she endured the pain and suffering in the world. And she always created space for someone else to be a part of them. And because of that, the church was often referred to as a mother. It was the place for new Christians to be born, to be nurtured, to be included. 
And as I got to thinking about that, I, I began to wonder, folks, have we lost this? Have we lost this understanding that we operate as a church to be like a mom, to be merciful like moms are, to create space for others, to pray with hope, to endure pain, to give our bodies for other people? Have we forgotten the mercy of God? If so, it will be a generation or two before that church begins to close. Because without understanding how God has been merciful to me, how can I be merciful to someone else? It's important for us to remember God's mercy for us and for others. And to remember that in Jesus, mercy is not in limited supply. There's enough for everyone. Do we remember this, church? We are called today... To be merciful. And so can I say to the words, to you, the words of Paul, to us, to myself. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, I huddle around you. So that I can whisper into your ears. In light of God's mercy to us. Mercy with our sin. Mercy in saving us. Mercy in calling us to life. Mercy in giving us the Spirit to enable us to live life in view of God's mercy. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. And as we do that, as we embody mercy into our world, that is being set apart. That's holy. That is your true worship. That is what we are called to. Would you bow your heads and let's close in prayer. Father, I'm so grateful today for your mercy. The ways that you were patient with my sin, my mistakes, my missing the mark. So grateful for the ways that you were merciful in saving me. The ways that you were merciful in calling me. The ways that you were merciful in empowering me through your spirit. And today, on this Mother's Day, I believe you wanted to call our church, Cross Community Church, to remember our duty as a mother as a place that creates space for other new Christians to be born, as a place for mercy to be embodied, as a place for us to practice yielding our pride and our preferences so that there's a place for others, to endure pain, to practice prayer that is filled with hope for the future of our city and our world. Oh, God, remind us of our motherly call as a church today. And may this place become a place that is known as a church of mercy. Where people 
are born again into the newness of life that comes through Jesus Christ. Help us, God, to lean into that. And let it begin right here with all of us together. Because in a church this size, in a church that's almost been around a hundred years now, there's tensions. There can be struggles between the new and the old, between wounds and hurts. And so let us hear this passage today, like Brother Paul putting his arms around the two. Let this reminder of being merciful challenge us to go to that person and to share the mercy of God with them through forgiveness, through inclusion, through hope, and through the power of your Spirit. Father, I pray your blessing upon all our women here in in this building and online. I pray that you would bless them in this year. May we be a better church because of all the women who are involved here in leadership, in ministry, in training, in serving, and in help. Thank you for their example. And I pray your blessing upon our family and our families here. For we pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? Don't forget, ladies, not just moms, ladies, we have a small gift for you out on the table there with Deidre. So uh, make sure you pick that up on your way out and may God bless you. And now receive this blessing. May you be so grateful for day, today for the motherly mercy of God who is patient with you in your sin, showed his mercy through saving you, who calls you to embody his mercy and gives you the Holy Spirit in order to do it. May you go out and may we together live out these seven principles of a merciful church. And may we see new person after new person after new person be born into the kingdom as we are merciful. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Go in his name. Go in his grace and his mercy. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.